0: 6 went for Inter Miami. Hello everyone and welcome to the latest episode of Miami Total Football Radio. I am your co-host Franco Panizo and the other co-host joining me as always is Steve El Primo Brenner. Steve, how are you doing? I think I'm getting pretty good at this Michael Buffer impersonation here, I'm getting it down pat, but how are you today?
1: Yeah, I, I think Michael Buffer's going to be his job's going to be in jeopardy anytime soon. But you, you keep you keep going, mate. I'm sure, sure you will get there in the end. Yeah, not not too bad. Certainly, probably better than the Inter Miami players and staff that headed back from Chicago on the on the weekend. Pretty uh, pretty deflating performance and result, wasn't it? I was kind of watching it through squinty eyes having a you know a couple of couple of cold beverages while watching the match and um while my drink had a bit of fizz their performance lacked it really didn't it yeah it it
0: wasn't a good game we'll touch on that loss we'll touch on the performance in the loss we'll touch on this upcoming weekend's game against dc united which should have a jam-packed stadium or at least that's the hope Because the stadium will be open at full capacity for the first time. We also have to talk about a couple of other things. I've got some breaking news that I want to share, but I'll do so a little bit later on in the pod. And you also might have an update on Matweedy Gate. Is that finally coming to a
1: near end, maybe? The gate, yeah, the gate is creaking towards a close. Um, Yeah, I've been hearing that, you know, they're expecting that now. I know we've said this in the past, but they are definitely expecting a resolution this week. They're, they're fearing the worst, um, and again, we've touched on it, a possible fine or points deduction. A points deduction potentially could actually come in, you know, this, this season, which would be a real, real hammer blow. I know the, a, a fine would be bad. We, we don't really know in what region, you know, how much that would be. But I think in, just in terms of situation on the field, to to have points deduction after, lo- you know, having worked so hard to get the points on the ball in the first point place uh, would, would be a bit of blow. And I think there's a lot of resentment uh, towards the previous regime, you know, Paul McDonough, you know, the, the the deals that he did, what they did in terms of to entice Blaise Matuidi to come to to South Florida, um, you know, a lot of these and the anger towards the whole sort of previous regime and how they did things is really coming home to roost now. Because if they're hauled over the coals by MLS and and had points taken off them, then you know you could just look at it down the line. If they miss out in the playoffs by two points or something like that, then you know, they're going to. This people aren't, aren't going to be happy. So, um yeah, that's that's the kind of news that's coming out tonight. Is that, uh, yeah, they're expecting it within the next couple of days, and they don't think it's going to be good at all. So,
0: that's some pretty big news there from Steve Brenner in our intro segment. I think we'll touch on it a little bit more, dissect it, or have a little bit more conversation about it on the pod again a little bit later on you know like when you watch an episode of a show and there's always the intros before the theme song and then some of the intros are kind of whatever but then some are really good i think you just made this the best intro we've ever had with that with that news that you've just dropped. But, again, we have a lot to talk about. If you are new to the podcast, please follow us on all our social media channels and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. But, clearly, we have a lot to talk about on Miami Total Football Radio this week. And I always have to say that. You know we sneak that into every intro some way, shape, or form. But, Steve, let's get to it. Okay, Steve, so we were going to start this pod by doing what we normally do and jump into the weekend's match and the performance. But before we do that, let's touch on what you just talked about, about Blaise Matuidi, that investigation, looking like it might come to an end in the short term future, that's what you're hearing. A points deduction to me is for this season is, I mean, that'd be a pretty big, big blow for Inter Miami. I don't think that's happened in MLS in the past. I could be wrong. Obviously, I'd have to go back and check. And it,
1: to, it may not happen. Let's be right. It, it may not happen. We don't know yet, do we? But anyway.
0: But if it's on the table, then that's yeah. that's, that's pretty... Uh, that should ring off alarm bells at Inter-Miami Camp because they're a team that I think both of us said we think we projected they'd finish in 7th place right now, currently, obviously still early in the season. But right now, I think they're ninth. I think they're in ninth after the weekend's games. So they need all the points they can get because I don't think they're going to be a team that's fighting for the top spots in the Eastern Conference, so a point deduction would be pretty pretty damaging to them. Obviously, a fine I think is expected by everyone. I think everyone who's been following this story would absolutely expect a fine. But I can't imagine it'll just be a fine. Maybe like you know we've talked talked about this on the past in the past, a fine and maybe a transfer ban or something of the like, but. It's not just going to be a fine. I can't imagine it will just be a fine.
1: No, I mean, yeah, they, you know, they've, they've clearly found something that was very, very untoward uh, on on what's gone on. And um, they maybe even want to use this whole situation to make an example of, of Inter Miami and what they've done. Uh, we don't really know. All the details are a little bit vague and hopefully it's, everything's going to come out, you know, this week. But, you know, if people at the club are sort of saying, oh, we're fearing the worst. It could be a points. And, you know, they've they've had some you know communication with MLS uh, we just have to wait and wait and see and you know and the other thing is is that it's not as if it's you're not talking about Lionel Messi here you talk about a player who's, who's really struggling and not even playing that well anyway um you know and if Phil Neville would had come in he's probably looking at it now thinking well I probably wouldn't have even signed him in the first place do you know what I mean I mean I, you know, I don't know how much influence Beckham had over that particular signing I know for fact that Beckham's curious about just everything that's been, you know, that's, that's sort of went on under his watch. He wasn't here, remember? Uh, left Paul McDonough in charge to, to, to do, you know, everything here on the ground and, you know, made a bit of a mess with it really.
0: I mean, I, I'm listening to you talk about it, and all I can do over here on in my HQ, my headquarters, is shake my head, man. Like, if this news drops this week, right? And I'm, I was listening to you, and I was thinking about it more and more because this is the first I've heard of it. It's from you right now. This news would come before their full open stadium game, home game, which everyone's looking forward to in South Florida, which people are, are excited about. And then for this to come this week, I mean, it just it just adds to that narrative that the team is slightly, I don't want to say cursed, but there seems to be like a gray cloud over this team because they, every time they, they start to try to get some momentum going, something happens, and it would be incredible timing and i say incredible and not in a positive way incredible timing if this news dropped this week before they head into this weekend's game because that's going to be uh i would imagine that'd be a massive massive talking point not only for within the locker room but obviously on the outside with us in the media with fans that i mean that just that just not not a, not a good thing
1: no, yeah, I, you know, there's no good, there's no good time for it. I guess we thought it was going to be, you know, in the lead up to the start of the season. Um, but you know, that didn't happen. They've got it's gone on. All right, it's it's very thorough. I mean, they clearly have left no stone no stone unturned. But um, I think I think if they get yeah, a point, I think if it's, yeah, it's a fine, I don't think the fans are sort of you know shrugged their shoulders. Oh, okay, fair enough. I just think a points deduction would be. Um, would be pretty severe and I think that would definitely get the fans angry but we don't know yet that's only something that's been suggested nothing's been confirmed that's just what they fear they fear it's going to be bad but that could be just a very hefty fine which you know I I think if they were going to take one over the other although the owners would be sort of wanting to not you know lose any more money um, then I think they'd probably take that rather than the points because you can just see what happens if they get deducted a few points they're going to miss out on something because of this, it, it's you know, yeah, and that's going to be something that followers will around for the whole season. So, fingers crossed. You know, worst best case scenario is that potentially they just get a, get a fine, but we'll have to wait and see.
0: We will have to wait and see. Again, I will reiterate. I can't just see it being a fine. If MLS wants to make MLS has made a big deal about this publicly, and if they want to make a case out of Inter Miami, I can't just see it being a fine. But let's switch gears to this past weekend's game because that's obviously another big talking point. That's happened in recent days with regards to Inter-Miami. They lost to the Chicago Fire on the road. They were defeated 1-0 with a second-half free-kick goal. Now, we'll touch on that finish and the mistake, the error, the howler from goalkeeper John McCarthy. But let's look at the lineup first. This was Inter-Miami's starting lineup. They had John McCarthy in goal, Victor Ulloa, the captain, at right back. Ryan Shawcross at right center back Leandro Gonzalez Perez at left center back Jovan Jones getting the start at left back That was the one change Phil Noble made to the team Gregori at the 6 Blaise Matuidi as the 8 Lewis Morgan on the right wing Federico Iguain starting at the 10 Breck Shea on the left wing And Gonzalo Iguain as the number 9 Now Steve The performance put forth was not good The result was not either What were your biggest takeaways from this match?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, again, they didn't create... They created very, very little, didn't they? But I think up until the goal, there wasn't really much in in the game, was it? It was quite nervy. No one was really, you know, dominating or anything like that. And it was just a very poor goalkeeping mis- mistake from John McCarthy, who had been bigged up by Phil Neville the previous week. And, you know, rightly so, because he played well. And it was just it was just one of those just horrible errors. And, and, and they hadn't looked like scoring before they, they, they conceded the goal. And then once the goal went in, they didn't even look like you know scoring at, at all, really, did they? Guayne was very disappointing. But Tweedy just yeah, couldn't, couldn't get going. They just were creating nothing, really. It's just, you know, the old the old problems. And, you know, someone made the point to me yesterday that, you know, because they haven't got much pace at the back, um, you know. Shawcross lost that, uh, you know, a yard of pace that he, he used to have. The transitions are so slow, and they have to. They're so deep that the gaps between defence and midfield are, are pretty long, are pretty big. And I think they just can't. They just can't seem to hold the ball and, and just build up, build up possession and, and build up attacks. It's just, you know, it's just um, we're going, we're going over the same things. We can, we can out, really, are we?
0: Well, yes, we, we have gone over some of these items before. However, in this one, and I know you said that you know there wasn't much in it before the goal, but I would disagree because there were a few, at least two plays in the first half where Chicago should have scored. I, I can remember the one where Jovan Jones gets caught ball-watching and the ball, I think, gets to Frankowski and he chests it down and he is on an angled look but he should have put the ball away but he he sends it over the crossbar still the Chicago Fire should have been up there was also that yeah there's also that one chance earlier in the second half that there's a shot from the top of the box and John McCarthy makes a great save with his right arm to push it wide so the Chicago Fire were the better team Inter Miami in the first half were terrible the the whole game they did not play well it, it was very similar to the Montreal uh, the CF Montreal loss here at home, in terms of the performance. I'll touch a little bit more on that in a a bit. But, yeah, the team just couldn't build out, couldn't create much of anything. They finished with one shot on goal, and that was a Nicolas Figal header in the second half. And it was just an ugly performance. A deserved loss, a deserved loss. And that's something that Phil Neville and Ryan Shawcross talked about after the game, that, you know, the better team won in this one. They only won 1-0, and it did come off a goalkeeping mistake. But the Chicago Fire deserved to win this one. The fact that Inter-Miami were even in the game at that point in the 69th minute before Luka Stojanovic hit that free kick was only down to John McCarthy being brilliant up until that point. Then, obviously, he makes the the terrible, terrible blunder. But it's another poor performance. Another poor performance. Two out of their last three games, they've struggled. This was against a Chicago Fire team that was near or at the bottom of the Eastern Conference. They hadn't scored a goal in three-plus games. They hadn't won yet this season. And then they go and put a, a performance... I don't know if I want to say dominant, but they outplayed Miami. They outplayed Miami, and Phil Neville acknowledged that after the game. He said, you know, the mentality has to be there from us as a team. That no one's going to knock on your door and give you three points. To me, that's a bit concerning that it's happened twice in the last three games against two of the... Well, Montreal, I guess, isn't isn't one of the worst teams in the East. But that it's happened two out of the last three games is still... Still pretty alarming, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, just no no consistency, isn't there? Just when you think that they've sort of turned the corner, then they sort of revert back to type, and you know, struggling. Look, we know that this is the team, same pretty much the same team, you know, bar one or two players that were sort of weren't particularly great last season as well, were they? So, you know, they they they're making progress, but it's just slow. And I know people want it to be an instant progress and them to be flying and, and be at the top with New England and Orlando, but. I just think they're having to just go through the process of just trying to rebuild. And it, it's difficult. It, you can't just ship players out and bring other players in. They're, they're kind of stuck with what they've got right now. And unfortunately, what they've got, and I'm sure the Phil never would, would agree, it's, you know, it's not that strong a squad really, is it? They're not. And they've got there's holes all over the squad and, and they're being punished.
0: I want to go back to something you mentioned earlier, and that's about the speed of the team and transitioning. I do agree this is a pretty slow team, a team that lacks pace. I think Lewis Morgan has some there on the right wing. But besides that, I don't think there's any real speedsters on this team. And, and you could even go the other way with it and say that there's actually some pretty uh, slow players on this team. I mean, there's no sugarcoating it. Gonzalo Higuain is not the fastest player. Federico Higuain is not the fastest player. Blaise Matuidi at 34 years old is not the fastest player. And then Ryan Shawcross, Landon Gonzalez Speed. Like, there are no real players that have a lot of pace on this team. Maybe aside from Lewis Morgan... Uh, at least, not players that are that are playing regularly.
1: No, and you're talking about the spine of the team, then. But you know, um, Iguain, Gonzalo Higuain, Matuidi, Ryan Shawcross. You know, that's the spine, the middle of the team. Is is has? There's no pace there. There's there's no pace. So there's going to be gaps in between the defense and midfield, midfield and attack. And I think that maybe that's that's one area where they're struggling. They just they just they're chasing it. They're chasing the, the game too much, chasing the ball, and not not able to to, to keep hold of it and. And, and use the possession to their, to their advantage.
0: Yeah, and, and, and look, and that's something I wrote about in my post-game piece at sbisoccer.com, my analysis piece, is that CF Montreal laid out the blueprint for how to make life difficult on Inter Miami and how to beat Inter Miami. And the Chicago Fire followed that blueprint almost to a T, almost to perfection, because similarly to CF Montreal, the Fire high press Inter Miami from minute one and did not allow them to build out. Refused to let them build out. Inter-Miami initially tried to force the issue like it did against FC Cincinnati, but the Fire were much better at closing down spaces and and getting tight on their marks, and that forced Inter-Miami to settle for long ball after long ball, and they just couldn't even win those 50-50 balls or those, those aerial challenges once they reverted to that. There was no real plan B once plan A did not work. Once they realized they couldn't, build out and they couldn't play through lines with the ball on the ground they just started lumping balls forward rifandola as they say in spanish was just raffling balls and hoping you you know you'd win it but they couldn't even do that and that's you know that came down to the effort and mentality something that phil neville talked about after the game let's listen to some of what he said because i, I mean you could clearly see he was frustrated and upset with the performance and the result right at least so but let's hear what he had to say
2: we, we won in cincinnati and, uh, and maybe maybe we thought we could just turn up here tonight and, uh, and win the game without without winning the battle first. And uh, that's what makes me really, really disappointed. And, and the players a bit of disappointed in there. And, and right so the right soul. It's like I say, I think, nobody comes and knocks at your door and just gives you three points. Nobody comes and knocks at your door and gives you success. Nobody comes and knocks at your door and just hands it to you on a plate. You've got to go out there and you've got to earn the right. And, and, and we didn't. And they did. That's why they win the game.
0: Okay, Steve, so listening to those two post-game quotes from Phil Neville, Inter-Miami may have overlooked the Chicago Fire, maybe from where they were in the standings. He, he suggested it. Didn't say it outright, but suggested it. If that's the case, and I know we've touched on the talent and the lack of certain qualities or attributes, how much is that on the coaching staff? Because even even Phil Neville in a different quote said you know he takes responsibility because no one besides three players he named that came off the bench— or, sorry, two players that came off the bench and John McCarthy could really look in the mirror and say they did their job. So how much of it is on the coaching staff? How much is it on the players? How, how, you know, how do you explain this type of performance where the effort and the mentality are not there?
1: No, I mean, you know, it's the old problem, isn't it? You know, coaches will say as soon as the, the players go over the white line, it, you know, th- there's nothing else they can do. You know, I'm sure they prepared in, in the correct way. I just, I just don't know whether or not, because of the DPs, and we keep on banging this drum, but... You know, I think when the chips are down, I think, I think other players are looking to like to Big Guayin and Gonzalo Guayin and, and Matweedy to, to sort of pull their weight and, and to to produce the kind of quality that we know they've produced in their careers to, to dig them out of the hole. And when that's not happening, you know, it affects morale. It affects it affects the team. Um, you know, Pizarro also has been a bit outcast recently. I did, you know, he obviously didn't feature that much of the weekend. Um, you know, so it just, it's, it's the little bits there just aren't, you know, you need a, a cohesive unit. Everyone pulling in the same direction. I just think because some players are struggling, or the best alleged best players are struggling, I think that's just bringing the rest of them down. You know, possibly. Um, you know, we can bang on about the fitness and blah blah. Either way, I think you know they'll look at it in the cold light of day and and, and realize the team is just not functioning as as they want it to, and the results are showing that
0: yeah i think chemistry is a part of it you know last week i called this team maybe it was two weeks ago now but i think it was last week i called this team a collection of individuals i wrote that said that on the pod i think i think at at this point that the chemistry is still lacking i think that's part of it in addition to maybe not being a very not being a team that fits or the pieces fit well together i think the chemistry is also not there if you went back to last week the team did have on Wednesday a uh, team outing, a team bonding activity, a team building exercise where most of them, if not all of them, went to top golf in Miami Gardens and they were seen swinging about and having a good time together. Probably instructed by the coaching staff there for them to do that because I don't think all the players would have gone or most of the players would have gone just to top golf together as something they organized amongst themselves. Maybe, maybe so, but. I, I would imagine that's something that the coaching staff wanted them to do. The video footage of Blazematweedy missing the ball over and over and over again, that was hilarious. So if you haven't seen it, it's on my Twitter handle. Check it out at Franco Panizo. It's hysterical. The team had a good a good bit of fun with that. But if we're talking just on the field, yeah, it's just not it's just not clicking, at least not consistently enough right now. Now let's talk about the McCarthy error, because obviously that proves decisive in this one. He had had a good game before that, like we mentioned, but again, just makes a a mistake there that kind of raises some eyebrows and obviously raises the question of whether he'll be the longtime starter. I have said for some time that I think Nick Morrisman, once he's eligible to play as of July 1st, I fully expect him to be the number one goalkeeper. Is that what your sensation is as well, especially after this blunder, or do you think it'll be an open competition?
1: Well, I mean, you know, John McCarthy, he's done, we've sung his praises quite a bit, haven't we? You know, he hasn't done too bad. I can't really remember any real errors or, or, or muck-ups. Uh, the LA Galaxy
0: game. The LA Galaxy game where he, he spilled that ball on Chicharito, uh, tapped in for I mean,
1: goal Apart line. from that, yeah, but remember what a world-class striker. He, he, made, <laughs> him, he made him do that. Yeah, but, I you mean, know, you know, like proper clangers, like just bad mistakes. And this, this was a bad mistake. There's nowhere to hide for a goalkeeper when you make a mistake like that. Hopefully it won't dent his confidence. You know, Mars was still not, we don't actually even know when, when he's coming, do we? I mean, sooner rather than later, I would have thought, but not within the next two or three weeks. Um, Dutch season has only just finished. Um, So, you know, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's not good because they don't really have too much backup either, do they? So, um, um, you know, they're going to have to work on his confidence, but you know, they weren't, yeah, it was it was a bad error. That that's just that's just all you can say. And You never know if they would. I know they were up against it and they weren't playing well, but still at nil nil, you've always got a chance. But I just think that it just was symptomatic, really. I think of the performance.
0: Yeah, and and look, the ball did take a bounce before and maybe caught him by surprise. But even from a technical standpoint, he had position. He should have made the save. He even gets his hands on it. It's just poor technique that he ends up fumbling it or bobbling it into into the back of the net. So. That proves decisive, but this loss is not on any one player. Not him, not Gonzalo not anybody. However, I want to touch on one player, and that's Blaise Matuidi, because yet again, he struggled to make an impact in that midfield, lost the ball cheaply, in my opinion, on a few occasions, be it through poor passes, bad touches, taking too long, or, or not showing the urgency needed in that part of the field. Matuidi for me is underperforming and he has underperformed for a good while now. I don't know how they get more out of him. You know, I don't know if it's a case of something going on off the field, if the Matuidi situation is is impacting him and and maybe it's affecting how he plays or whether at 34 years old, given his very accomplished career for club and country, whether he has that desire to keep busting his butt and really putting in a hundred percent effort, I don't know what it is, but it's not, it's, really, it's not working with him. And I know that they probably aren't going to bench him anytime soon. But if it were me, if he doesn't raise his level, I would probably give him, give him a, a seat on the bench, just like Pizarro, to see if that lights a yeah. fire under him or see if that raises the collective performance in the middle of the park. Because he's to me, he's just not cutting it.
1: He started, started off pretty well, didn't he, in the first few games. And then I, I really can't remember a game where he's actually sort of dominated. And, you know, what they want him to do is, you know, be in the middle of the park and, and and dominate and and make things go through him, and um, he just I, just, I don't know if his legs are still there. You know, the, the World Cup was in twenty eighteen. That's nearly three. It's coming up for three years now. Sure. Um. So you know, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot can happen in that in that time. He just hasn't adjusted well. Yeah, maybe the off the field thing is. Is hampering him a bit, you know. Maybe he understands the gravity of the situation. It's weighing him down. I mean, you know, you could all different kind of conspiracy theories. But the bottom line is he hasn't really been performing like none of the DPS have been performing, and that that that's the problem, isn't it? So how do you, this up to Phil Neville now? I guess to try and coax some some performances out of him, but at the back at the wrong end of. Back end of his career, it's difficult for someone that's, you know, earned a lot of money throughout his career and, and done well and played for some of the biggest clubs in, in Europe and in the world and won the World Cup, all that stuff, to then sort of come as, you know, is he, is he really got it? Is he, is he, is he really sort of busting a gut? I'm sure he works hard, but it's just not happening for him on the pitch, is it?
0: Yeah, and, and look, I think that could be part of it as well. At 34 years old, players tend to start to lose some of their physical attributes, just natural progress or progression of of life and being a pro player the older you get quality start to to diminish and maybe that's the case here as well and he's just not the player he used to be but we don't know we don't we haven't been able to speak to him obviously he has not spoken publicly this season because of the whole Matuidi-Gate situation so I don't know when we'll be able to speak to him when we'll have a chance to ask him some questions I guess we could ask Phil but maybe we'll do that this week Let's touch on Place.
1: How how place how big is your house?
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, is it true that they gave you a jet airplane along the house? Yeah, yeah, Just
1: no, We don't know, we don't know, we don't
0: know. Um I do want to talk about one more thing with regards to this game and that's Robbie Robinson. He re-injures apparently that that left hamstring yet again. He came off the bench at halftime, made his return from the last hamstring issue he had suffered, but he lasted until the 78th minute or so before coming out in the 80th again pulls what looks to be his left hamstring the same one that he's injured or aggravated twice earlier this year he goes down to the ground he's clearly distraught in tears on the field has to come off the field he does so under his own power but puts his jersey over his face at this point Steve with Robbie Robinson what do you think Inter Miami has to do going forward
1: well, I mean, we don't. You know, we, again, we don't really know what's said behind closed doors. You know, that's the old, the old thing with the. You know, you can only go on what the player. The, the only person that knows how fit he really is is, is the player, and so, so sometimes players say, "Yeah, I'm ready. I'm okay. I'm fine," even though they know they've got a little bit of a niggle, but they'll they'll carry on. There's no definitive thing where they can other than if it's, they've torn a muscle or anything like that. If it's a if he's recovering from an injury and he's coming back, and they said, "How do you feel?" Yeah, yeah I feel great, even though in the back of the mind he knows that mm, maybe I shouldn't be risking it but players want to play especially young players he's keen he's hungry Uh, he wants to try and impress he's gone out there to try and play and he's he's pulled up again so you could tell how upset he was about it so I think maybe there was a bit of they wouldn't have thrown him in if he was injured I think maybe there's a bit of kidology from from the player and he's probably put himself forward to play fair enough but maybe he just wasn't ready and I think maybe that was a his his reaction was maybe a bit of a realization that uh, maybe, maybe I maybe I made a mistake there
0: Primo, I don't necessarily agree with that. I don't necessarily think that it's, you know, that only the player knows how he really feels because with how advanced sports science is now with the analytics, with, you know, the vests that they wear underneath their jerseys to measure how much energy they're putting out, you know, how they're doing physically. I'm sure the medical staff has an idea of where he is. Now I'm not blaming the medical staff. I'm not saying it's their fault. I'm not saying it's Phil Neville's fault. Clearly, there needs to be a deeper dive into this because let's actually hear what Phil Neville had to say about the injury, about how Inter Miami rehabbed him and thought they would, they had him back to, to being fully healthy. But again, that hamstring apparently goes again. So let's just hear what Phil Neville had to say about the injury. Well,
2: the first time I think, I think first time I think we take responsibility because we probably did rush him back. or say we did rush him back. He, he met all the protocols, all the processes, all the training. This time, He's probably been, we probably took an extra 10 days with him. So, uh, I, think, I think what we need to do now is we need to investigate a little bit more into, he's a speed type player. I've played with these players in the past. When you're built on speed, you are susceptible to these injuries. And it's the reoccurring ones that we need to make sure that it never happens because you see the reaction of the boy, he's devastated. We're devastated for him.
0: Steve, in that quote from Phil Neville, he acknowledges that they probably rushed him back last time. The first time he was coming back from the injury. Initially he had said no. He said that they did not push him, that they they took their time with him. He passed all the physical tests and he did so again this time. And they gave him extra rest. So... Again, is this is this just bad luck? Is this something maybe Robbie Robinson has to change? Obviously, we don't know the details, right? We haven't gotten any any update on his status, but could this just be a chronic thing for him, or is there something more at play here?
1: I mean, we, yeah, you know, uh, he, he probably thought that he was fit, or he probably thought that it was he was okay. When in reality, he's not. I mean, there may not be anything in it other than they thought he was fit. He went and it just he went out to play and he got injured again. Or I don't think the medical staff would have made a mistake in their assessment. So just been up to the player: Are you ready? Can you give me twenty minutes? Yes, I'll give you twenty minutes, boss. No problem. Goes out there within five minutes. He pulls his hamstring again. So you know it's just. It's just one of those things. It's just part and parcel of the game. There's nothing you can – can't get away from it. you know, I, I, But I think in the end of the day, the only person that really knows if he's 100% is, is the player. And sometimes I think players will say they want to play because they're so desperate to play when maybe they – they in retrospect, they probably think, oh, maybe I should have sat on that one out. So either way, it's unfortunate for the player and unfortunate for the team.
0: Yeah, they're going to be probably missing him for a few weeks now. The good news, I guess, in that regard is that after this May 29th game against DC United, they have a couple of weeks with no games. So maybe some time to get him healed and to look for answers because they they have to find a way to keep him fit for his sake and for the team's sake because you can't keep having him go out. He was a starter at the beginning of the season, so a player that Phil Neville wants to count on. But Steve, let's take a quick break here. We'll head towards and look forward to the DC United game coming up and We'll talk a little bit more about that breaking news that I have
2: after this. Uh, football's a very simple game. Um, and if you go out there with uh, a better attitude than your opponents, and more desire and more hard work, then usually you come out on top. And today, I thought they had that in abundance uh, and we really struggled. Um, we had moments in the first half where we came through that and we showed a bit of dominance. But if you're going to start the game, like you're going to struggle. Um, we can talk about how we want to play and what we want to do and where we want to go. Well, I think it was that hard work. Uh, I don't think today was a great example of how you win games and how you
0: win games in the MLS. Okay, Primo. So, switching gears to this weekend, this Saturday evening game against DC United in front of a expected sold-out crowd. stadium will open to full capacity for the first time ever. We are looking forward to that. We'll be there. It's going to be a heck of a, of an experience, I'm sure, but... Inter Miami will not wear their white or their black jerseys in this one. They are going to wear a different jersey, a blue jersey. It's called the Prime Blue Jersey, which was made in collaboration with MLS ahead of World Oceans Day. And it's a good, a good venture or a good cause. It's for a good cause. I know you're not a big jersey guy, but what do you think of the actual jersey when they announced it late last week? Do you like the look or do you are you not not a fan?
1: I like the I like the initiative. That that's good. Um, you know, the the planet is melting, and we need to make uh, we need to make a change. Um, I like the jersey, actually. Yeah, yeah, I do. I, and and but it's it's every team's going to be wearing a similar one, right?
0: Yeah, different shades, different colors. Obviously, you can't wear the same color on the field, otherwise, that'd be really, really difficult to no, know your teammates. Know. But yeah, no, everyone everybody's going to be wearing one. I'm not a huge fan of the look. I don't think it's terrible, but it just does not say inter miami to me just there's nothing there that says inter inter miami to me but anyway go switching gears to the actual game that's going to take place they take on dc united a team that's also struggling in the eastern conference they're in 11th place right now with two wins and five losses dc united is coming off a one to zero home loss against the philadelphia union and actually they've lost their last two games via shutout Similar to what we just said last week against the Chicago Fire, Steve, what kind of game do you expect from Inter Miami in this one against another team that is struggling and a team that
1: on paper, especially at home, should be beatable? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, they beat they beat the Chicago Fire, didn't they? One 0 uh, recently as well. Uh, only only two wins. I think you know these are the teams you've got to be looking at. Sort of New England and Orlando, I guess Philadelphia maybe leading leading the way right now. But it's in this second sort of part of the of the the, the division with you know teams like Chicago, DC. You know Cincinnati. These are the teams they are going to be fighting in, in and around for those final sort of playoff playoff points. So um, look, they haven't had a, they haven't had a good start either. Either sorry, they lost at Orlando and they were, they were complaining about how Orlando were being very defensive and they weren't able to break them down. And you know they, they're, they're clearly struggling for goals as well. So on paper, yeah, it looks like you know a, a nice matchup, especially at home, but. You know they're also you know coming in off the back of a of a bad run as well. So I'm I'm not expecting a, a classic by any by any stretch of the imagination. But I think when you're definitely when you're at home, I think the mitigating circumstances of actually travelling away and everything that brings with it, especially in these COVID times, um, it's going to be sort of no no excuses really. You know they're going to have to have to perform. And let's let's just hope that the crowd. Uh, from my into Miami point of view, um, can really get behind the team and you know push them forward because they just think they are gonna need something. Maybe that energy of, of a crowd could um, could make a difference. And that's a cliche, but anyway.
0: Yeah, these are the games though that they need to win. These are the games, especially at home, they need to win these games against the lower bottom half of the table teams in the Eastern Conference. Because if you want to make the playoffs, you're gonna need to win those points as well as take some from some of the teams ahead of you. And right now you need to get these points. You just lost the Chicago fire and gave them their first win of the season. So need to need to pick up three points here. And look, DC United is in, is still trying to find itself similarly to Inter Miami, but they have, you know, they have a brand new head coach and Hernan Lozada. They also just maybe lost Edison Flores to an injury. He came off within the first minute of this game uh, over the weekend. So, they'll, they'll be missing. They won't be at full strength. He's a, he's a player for them that hasn't performed incredibly. I'm familiar with him. He's a proven international, Watched him play for the national team plenty of times, but he does have uh, a nose for goal. And so without, if he doesn't play, that's, that's something that hinders DC United's ability. Again, they have pieces, but not anything that can really overwhelm you. Some good, some good solid pieces like Yemi assad um, but again, not, not anybody that can overwhelm you. So Inter-Miami should or at least needs to take care of business in in this one. Steve, what is the key for Inter-Miami here? What is the key to winning this game?
1: It's, it's the same thing, isn't it? We, we can we – you know they've got to try and just close these gaps i think between the defensive midfield midfield and attack we try and be more compact don't let the game stretch out so much um you know it's it's going to be hot but it's going to be in the evening so it's not going to be uh, going to be as hot um yeah just obviously they can't inject more pace into it but they just need to find a way to try and you know, create chances, and if that means you know everyone just sort of pushing up a bit and maybe not playing as deep, maybe playing higher up the field, maybe that that will work. I haven't seen a lot of DC's matches this year, so I'm not really sure how they play. But um, you know, I think the last weekend would would have would have hurt them, and they'll be working on ways that they can try and eradicate. You know, what went on. Let's be right; it was a bad. I know they didn't play very well, but it was one bad goalkeeping mistake which actually undid them. So they're not a million miles away. They're just. They can't seem to just. They would have string three or four wins together. I think we'll be singing a completely different story, and the whole dynamic changes. That that's it. I mean, if they get if they win, they could potentially go up to third or fourth, depending on on the results. So it's not it's not all doom and gloom. There are big problems on the pitch, off the pitch. There always will be um, with this with this club. But you know, I think if they could just try and string three or four wins together, I think they'll they'll be in a much better place. But they need their big guys to perform, and they haven't performed. That that's it.
0: So your kid to the game is more defensive minded this time
1: um yeah I, you know i the, the, the point is that there's not much pace at the back, so those 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 gaps on 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 helping them, so uh, maybe he may mix it up at the back, maybe maybe try I mean
0: well, Gonzalez Pires is out for this game, and I think that's something notable that we haven't mentioned Gonzalez Pires has gotten his fifth yellow card we actually remember last week we both predicted who we thought would get their first gregori or or leandro gonzalez pires and you said leandro gonzalez pires i said gregory you were correct he got a yellow card in the first half against the chicago fire so he's out for this one there will have to be a change in that back line at least one change i would imagine nicolas Pical steps in there but um, yeah, yeah there will be a change there
1: yeah okay so that yeah there's going to be a change they just need to i think they just need to produce more, you know, just more energy if if anything, and just try and cut down those in, in those gaps because that's where the teams are going to sort of play and and hurt them. And the, and the longer the game goes on, the more the game gets stretched, and they're going to be wide open, and then and then you know problems could happen. But then on the other side, on the, on the flip side, you know, what, are they going to create enough enough chances? So maybe Pizarro is going to come back in, or I don't know. I mean, you know, if, we, if we're looking for Pizarro to be the savior, then I think uh, we're going to be struggling a
0: there's the pinata he's hitting the Pizarro pinata um listen for me the key to the game is finding a way to build out or finding a way to create attacking sequences because that to me is a bigger problem yes in this game they gave up some chances and they ended up losing on a goalkeeping mistake but a lot of the issues came down to them not being able to build out and not being able to hold on to the ball and possess the ball and string together attacking sequences. Sometimes your best defense is a good offense or, in soccer, a good attack. And if they can string together some passes and play through pressure, then that will allow them to, one, avoid having D.C. United on top of them to try and create things and will also give them a chance to create things themselves in D.C. United's defensive half. So, for me, the key is – Finding a way to either break lines or play direct but win more balls. There just needs to be a way, a better way for them to do it. I fully expect DC United will high press them or will try to high press them because Inter Miami has shown in two of its last three games and even at points in that win against FC Cincinnati that they cannot really deal with a high press. They struggle to do so at least for large parts, and that they can't really play through it. They don't have necessarily the technical players that that, that feel comfortable playing in tight spaces or under duress. So if they're going to stick with that game plan, then they have to be better at it. If they're not going to stick with that game plan, then they need to find a very effective plan B. But the effort and the mentality have to be there. That's that's non-negotiable. That needs to be there from the start. Very disappointed that this past weekend, in a game when so many members of La Familia, the three supporters groups, for Inter Miami, traveled, spent good hard-earned money to go to the game and get hotels and spend a weekend in Chicago. That they got not rewarded, but they were given that type of performance where there was just not much in it. Not much in it. Look, you can lose games in soccer; it happens. There's another team that plays that against you, and they can they obviously can have their qualities and can inflict damage on you. But the desire and the effort should at least be there, and that that just wasn't there this weekend. So. Hopefully they improve in that regard as well. Steve, quickly, any lineup changes you would make here, besides obviously replacing Leandro González Peters. I mean, I don't I know mean, I would put Figal there. I think I think at left back I would go with Shea. Yeah, I think I draw I put in Shea. I didn't like what I saw from Joven Jones at left back in, against the fire. And and then at left mid, that leaves the question. Who do you put there? If Pizarro's healthy because he was dealing with a slight muscle strain, according to team spokespersons, if he's healthy, I think you give him a start at that left midfield spot with uh, Federico Igwein at the ten. I think the rest of the team stays largely the same. Figalin for gonzalez Espiridues and, and Lirad maybe at right back over Yoa if Lirad is ready to go. That's just what I would do.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, he, he does like Jay Chapman as well, doesn't he? I mean, maybe mm-hmm. Chapman in, in midfield and placing Matuidi. I mean, that's that's a big call, isn't it? But that'd uh, be a huge call. I mean, listen, you know, Matuidi hasn't been playing well. There's all this stuff that obviously, which is hopefully going to come out in the next couple of days, that could affect him. You know, we don't know. I mean, yeah, he could make a change there. But I I think that's a big call in a in a big game where, you know, just with the, you know, the atmosphere and stuff, that's something that these, these top, top players are, are used to playing in. So it would be cool to put Jay Chapman in. But, you know, as we have keep mentioning, we keep saying the same things. He hasn't, doesn't, there's not a lot of options in this squad.
0: I think one thing we could possibly see also is maybe Gonzalo Higuain playing the 10 and Carranza at the 9 because that's a look we've seen in the second half or the second halves of the last two games. But I don't think he benches Federico. I don't think so. Not not yet. Not 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 this this quickly. Steve, give me a prediction for the weekend. Does Interpolity bounce back? I'm,
1: I'm, yeah, they bounce back. I'm going to be positive. I think they'll just squeeze home 2-0.
0: Okay. I will say... A two to one victory for Inter Miami. I think they do bounce back at home with the crowd pushing them on. I think that they'll they'll improve from a performance standpoint. I don't think it'll be a notable improvement, but I think it'll be an improvement nonetheless, and that that will help them. That will help them get the three points. And for Pizarro I'll just go out and predict it now. He scores one of the goals. There you go. Wow. So, <laughs> but we'll leave it there and we'll come back for another breaking news. I know I keep teasing it, but I've got you guys. It's coming next after this. Primo, It's Q and a time. Let's start because we have a few questions to get through this week. First one comes from Ben Curtis. What does John McCarthy have to do to keep his starting job when Nick Marsman arrives? Will it be an open competition or do you think that Neville has his number one in mind already? Look, I've, I've already said that I think publicly they'll say it's going to be an open competition and that obviously it will be open competition in terms of if Nick Marsman does not perform or comes in and is completely rusty or, or not looking good that John McCarthy will continue to start. But I think if they went out to Europe to sign a goalkeeper, it's not to make him a number two. I think the Marsman in their minds is the number one. Obviously there will be competition if John McCarthy raises his level and or plays really well before Marsman arrives. It, McCarthy could keep it, but I fully expect Marsman to be the starter for much of the rest of the way this season after he's he's eligible to play, which is on July 1st.
1: Yeah I, yeah, I don't think poor John McCarthy did himself much, you know, many favors with the performance of the weekend. Let's see how he gets on this weekend. But yeah, I mean, I think they'll be welcoming the chance to bring in a, another keeper to provide competition, and then yeah, yeah, and then just you know, you have just some European experience, which I think is important for Phil Neville.
0: Yeah, and and Marsman posted some on his Instagram today saying, you know, he's he's thank you for Feyenoord for the last two years, and he's he's moving on. So. I think from what I've heard, he will arrive fairly soon to enter Miami camp. He's not eligible to play until July 1st again, but he will be joining the team sooner rather than later to start getting reps with the team, getting familiar with his new teammates. I imagine this part I have not heard, but I would imagine that they give him maybe a couple weeks off to to have some some time to recover and, and rest the mind, but fully expect that he will be in camp pretty soon. Next question comes from Roger T., we're always talking about adding players at fullback, wingers or a number 10. For me our weakest area is the center of the pitch. Gregory has been good, but I feel that he is the only one. Our midfield cannot control the ball or distribute. Are we looking to upgrade our central midfield?
1: Steve. Um yeah, there's problems all over the all over the pitch isn't there, but yeah, they just I think in an ideal world, you know, the ball would go to Matuidi and he would feed Grigore and he would be the sort of guy that the, the, the linchpin, the guy in the middle, but it's just, it doesn't happen. It's he's always be chasing the ball around. They don't they can't get control and they can't dominate games. Uh, if they keep losing possession and then can't keep hold of it when, when they do have it. So, you know, I think that that's a problem. I do think that they probably in their
0: meetings, internal meetings with, you know, with Chris Henderson and Phil Neville and the coaching staff, I imagine that they, when they have honest and open conversations, they're like, Hey, we need to upgrade the central midfield spot because Blazeman Tweedy's not cutting it. Obviously, that's easier said than done when you have a player that's on a DP deal. Can't just get rid of him just like that, especially when you've already used your buyout option on Matias Pellegrini. So I imagine that they want to upgrade that that part of the field. I imagine they have players that they're looking at, they they've have on their, on their board or their chalkboards or their whiteboards that they are scouting and, and are interested in, but obviously they can't make any moves right now until... They free up some some room on the roster, and if they free up a DP spots in some way, shape, or form. So until that happens, I think it's it's Matweedi for better or for worse. Next question comes from Jose Martinez. Robinson's first game back, and we've lost him again. Can this be a training slash medical staff problem, Steve? We touched on this earlier, and I don't think we got to express this directly. Is I don't necessarily think we're looking for someone to blame, but I think we've seen in other sports and in soccer that at times when there are lots of injuries, coaches, when they take a thorough analysis of the situation, sometimes coaches do change their medical stats because it just wasn't working to their liking or there were too many issues popping up. So could it be a medical or training staff problem? It could be, it could be. I, w- I can't say no, it's not, but we don't know. Cause we don't know the details of, of Robbie Robinson's injury, obviously three hamstring injuries in the first six weeks of the season is not, is not ideal for, for anyone.
1: No, it's not, not ideal for the player, not ideal for the team, but um, yeah, I, I guess they'll, they'll re- review the procedures, but I, I, I do think that it's either the player just is, is hedging his bets and just pushing his, his luck a little bit, or he's unlucky and he just, it, it flared up again. I mean, there's, you know, like you said, there's so much technical wizardry now that goes into sort of medical analysis of players and stuff like that so they, they, they would have an idea of where he's at it's, it's up to the player in, in the end and, and for one reason or another it broke down yeah i mean sometimes but sometimes you know the the, the medical process is uh
0: you know obviously it's not done with anything anything malicious or bad in mind but sometimes it just isn't necessarily the best process which is why we've seen coaches make those type of changes in the past not saying that's what's going to happen here but just answering the question if it could be i would say it could be but we, we don't know next question comes from elder Barr. The points lost by other teams make Phil appear better than Alonso, in my opinion. The roster is better this season than last two. What's your thoughts on coaching staff as a whole, and could the lack of pressure from the Iguain brothers be causing excess wear on Lewis, Robbie, and Pizarro? So, Steve, I'll let you tackle that first.
1: Yeah, they've done. Look, they've done. They've done okay. I think you know they 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 came in and have received players that they they. Look for certainly Phil Neville, you know the other guys. Like Anthony Pulis has been there from the start, but you know they, he's trying to deal with players that he didn't sign, most of them anyway. Um, and I think they're better off this season than they were last season, which is, I guess, progress in in a way. They're trying hard, but you know it's um, it's it's difficult when you can't chop and change in terms of the transfer market right now. It's 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 tough. They're having to deal with what they've got, and what they've got just isn't isn't the kind of roster that they probably would have wanted. At the, at the start, when they first started, like 18 months ago, they thought it was gonna, they were gonna bring in players, and they were, everyone was gonna be a success, and it hasn't it hasn't worked out like that. So they're just trying to make make do right now, and hopefully, they can make some um, moves in the summer. Maybe Pizarro can go back to Mexico. That's what I'm told. Is that Mexico is really the only place where he's gonna be suitable. Um, so if they can get him off the wage bill and then bring someone else in, then maybe we'll have a different conversation.
0: Yeah, I would say to answer the first part of that question that it's still too early to really say about the coaching staff. You know, we need to see a, a bigger picture to have a real thorough analysis or more clear ideas to what the coaching staff has done, what kind of job they've done. Um, I think it's still a bit too early to say right now after after six six games or seven games, seven games, yeah. Um, as for the lack of pressure from the Higuain brothers, I do think, although I have seen Federico Press in in moments, uh, a good bit. I would say that yeah, the lack of pressure from Gonzalo is def- definitely has a trickle down effect in my opinion, a domino effect that that impacts the team because he can't really press often or much, and that makes for somebody else to have to pick up his 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 workload, and that's normally Rodolfo Pizarro when he's in the lineup, and now with it being Federico who's thirty six. You know, I, th- I think it, it does impact the team, and I think it, it isn't ideal. is not an ideal situation. It's actually one of the first questions I had for Diego Alonso last year when they signed Gonzalo Higuain, because Diego Alonso also liked to have his team high press. But I mean, when you have a striker that doesn't really have that much energy to to be able to do that, obviously that's going to hinder you a bit on the defensive side of things. So uh, I do think that that does influence how the team functions, at least on the defensive side. Next question comes from Luis, and he has two questions. He says, I believe our – well, this, this is not the question, but this is how he starts his tweet. I believe our biggest issue is the transition from defense to midfield. Two-part question. How much is Matuidi responsible for this lack of transition? Two. Primo, empanada, tequeño, or Cuban sandwich? If you've not had all three, you've got some work to do. So, Steve, we'll let you start with that, that second part. Um,
1: what, was the, what were the options?
0: <laughs> empanada, tequeño, or Cuban sandwich?
1: uh empanada That has to be cheese because i'm vegetarian
0: <laughs> okay all right i was gonna say it depends on what kind of empanada i know he didn't he didn't ask me the question it's a question only directed towards you but i'll answer uh i think empanada i would take empanada all day but it also depends which empanada you're talking peruvian empanada you're talking argentinian no, empanada talking are, are you talking colombian empanada i like all empanadas but i mean Just, you know, got to distinguish. There's all types of him, Um So back to the Matuidi part of his question, how much is Matuidi responsible for this lack of transition? I think he plays a part. I don't think you can just solely point the finger at him, but I do think that his function as the eight is to help, you know, close things up defensively as well as link up and be that that, that player that transitions the ball or gets the ball from the defense to the attack. And he hasn't done a particularly – incredible job at either like Steve said earlier on this pod and something I'm in full agreement with surprisingly enough when it comes to us but I don't I can't recall the last time Blaise Matuidi has had a an exceptional game a game where you've been like wow he really put his stamp on things it's been quite some time maybe last year you know he had one or two good games like that but again it's just, it's been quite a while.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, You just expect someone with his sort of CV to, to come in and, and completely boss in. It. it just hasn't happened, has it?
0: No. Now, the next question comes from Fighting Herons, and this one comes with a little bit of snark. Any truth to the rumor that uh, hallucinogenic gas was released in the Inter-Miami plane up to Chicago? McCarthy was obviously seeing three balls and went for the wrong
1: one. Uh, yeah, mistakes happen. Mistakes happen. Hallucinogenic gas or not, we've all been there. Um, <laughs> yeah. We have not all been there. I have never had hallucinogenic,
0: hallucinogenic gas, my friend. Sounds good um, though.
1: May <laughs> have some on my empanada later. <laughs>
0: that that would be a combo to talk yeah. about. You'd have you'd have to let me know. Maybe maybe the next week's pod, you can let us know how how okay. that went. Um, I'll Do a video
1: diary. Yeah,
0: <laughs> that'll be your first appearance on Miami Total Football's YouTube account. You'll just exactly. give us your review of of, of the hallucinogenic empanada. <laughs> next question comes from Don Cafecito. Who in Miami would, without a doubt, start for the current best team in the league, Seattle? That gives us a good idea how we compare to top teams. So far, I'm told Morgan. That's it. So I don't know if that's a great way to gauge how you compare to the top teams. Um, but if you want to just answer the question straight up, I would say Lewis Morgan starts. And I would say maybe the Gonzalez-Pita starts. Yeah, maybe over at Arriaga. I know he's a he's an Ecuadorian international, but I think Gonzalo Spidez would, would start. Obviously, he's a yellow card machine, but that's part of the position. It's part of breaking up plays. Obviously, he's gotten them a little bit yeah. too frequently in this, at this point in the season. I would also say, look, I also add this. I also say, I think Gonzalo Higuain would start. And it's mainly because, yes, they have Raul Ruiz Diaz, who's doing a great job scoring the Peruvian international. But th- this year, Seattle's playing with two forwards because of, the injuries that they've suffered to some players they've switched up their formation so they have two centre forwards they've been playing Will Bruin if Gonzalo Higuain was on that team he would absolutely play ahead of Will Bruin
1: He'd yeah I think that's over. the point him playing in a in a good team that's functioning and playing well I think it's probably a different, different proposition so yeah yeah, I, I agreed. So,
0: is he the only one you think would start there? You would. You think Lewis Morgan
1: would get in there? Or? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think Lewis Morgan couldn't do a job with anyone, really. Yeah, I think he's a, he's a he's a decent player. It's just, uh, again, you're sometimes you're only as good as a as the team around you, and right now the team aren't, you know, struggling a bit, and that's why we're seeing sort of, you know, performances dipping a bit. I think. Okay.
0: Next two questions come from Lloyd Halebrun. Does Robbie Robinson equal Jamar Fletcher and Daryl DK equal Drew Brees? So that's a Miami Dolphins NFL reference there. And he also asks, is this the slowest team in MLS? So the first one is a bit unfair because it's still early in both of their careers. Obviously, Jamar Fletcher was nowhere near the player that Drew Brees was. And, you know, obviously the Dolphins went with Jamar Fletcher. Obviously, Daryl DK was thriving in England and he's. On the U.S. men's national team scene, whereas Robbie Robinson still has not really gotten going here Uh, with Inter Miami. He scored a goal this season, but he's having recurring injury issues. So it's still too early to tell, but obviously the initial signs are are not in favor of Inter Miami making the the correct selection. There, as for is this the slowest team in MLS? I mean, we don't have the numbers, but they're probably up there or down there in terms of their pace because, yeah, I, I can't imagine that there are that many teams that are slower than them, but that's just my opinion.
1: Yeah. Well, we've touched on this. You know, pace is not of the essence, is it when it comes to this team? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Next question comes from Dose Knows. New this is a new listener or at least a new, uh, a new question asker. He says, "Hey Franco and Primo, big fan of the podcast. It seems like we need more midfielders as we are playing from the back. Do you see Phil Phil changing the formation to maybe a 3-4-2-1 playing McCoon and Rashad cross as the extra back to slow down the high press?" I don't think Phil changes from the from the 4-2-3-1 really. I don't I don't think he'll he'll make that switch. I think that's that's the look that he he prefers. Um,
1: he doesn't you know, have the tools, doesn't have the tools, that I don't think. It has to deal with what he's got.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, next question comes from Brant Primo, pretty sure there was merit to William rumors. This is what, is this what the team really needs? Beckham said, it wasn't just about big names, but getting the right players. Don't we need help in the midfield with Morgan being a fan favorite and Gregory becoming one? Should fans, oh, shows fans don't need glitzy signings. Thoughts?
1: Well, it's not rumors. I mean, they definitely want him. I know that for a fact. Um, just i think he'd add a bit of energy wouldn't he i know at chelsea maybe he played a bit further forward but i'm sure it's in his you know he's coming towards not the end of his career but you know his kind of peak is probably just just behind him but I mean, he could do a job in tandem with gregory maybe um yeah just 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 drop in a bit maybe play a bit further up I don't, I, yeah I, I don't know um but i think he, he just had a bit of dynamism and a bit of Energy that they're, they're kind of lacking, although he, you know, he didn't really sort of happen for him at Arsenal this season. So, um, uh, but uh, look, he's a he's a he's a goal scorer and he's, he, he can create as well. Whether or not he'd be able to play a little bit deeper, I'm not really sure. But I think he definitely had something to the midfield.
0: Yeah, I think William signing would be a good one if they could figure out how to get that done. Well, obviously, they have to remove a DP off of the roster in order to make that happen. I'm sure there's jokes out there about a fourth DP that fans will make, but um. I mean, do they necessarily need glitzy signings? I've always been of the thought for, for this team to be to reach all, the, all of the potential it has on and off the field. It does need big-name, recognizable players because you can be a winning team in South Florida, and that's obviously one of the most important things, but you also need big names to, to draw in more casual fans. Um, obviously, this is still a team that's in its initial stages, but once it's been around for a few years – you're going, to, you're going to need those big names to help draw in the fans that just want to go to a game you know once or twice or three times a year. Uh, next question. Oh, it's not a question, but it comes from Jose Martinez. Not a question. Just think you should know the team's attitude was just as bad after the 90 as during. Four players actually walked over to acknowledge us traveling fans, Morgan, Jones, Uyoa, and Gadiri. Team doesn't deserve all we give. Well, if that's true and I have no reason to not believe you, Jose, that is disappointing to hear. Um, because you guys definitely represented this weekend. A lot of fans from La Familia from uh, the Siege Vice uh, City and the Southern Legion went out to Chicago, made a weekend out of it. And you guys really represented as you guys tend to do, even when the team does not. You guys do deserve better performances than than what you've been given in two of the last three games. Hopefully, Inter Miami starts to make good on that because, yeah, you guys you guys do deserve better.
1: Yeah, I'd like I say, if that's true, then, then fair enough. But yeah, I'm sure that you know, the, and everyone was sort of a you know, team upset or whatever. But I, I definitely think that you know the fans are appreciated massively within the squad.
0: Next question comes from Lou. Should Inter Miami bring in a new number
1: nine? They need something. They need something, they need anything. I mean, yeah, I mean, how are they going to do it? What are they going to do? They've got to get rid of someone first. You know, that's the whole thing. There's no, no, there's no one queuing up right now to try and get bizarre. Although I was told about one MLS club, not too far away from here. I actually do fancy him, but that's another story. I think he's potentially going to go to Mexico. Can they just, can they strike a deal? I'm, I'm unsure. I know the Mexican league is split up into two parts, isn't it? So um, I don't know what their schedules are like, but look, they're working super hard on trying to, Make room in the squad in the roster to, to make these deals happen, and that, that, that works going on right now because they know that once the windows open, they're open now. Um, you know, they need to get get working, so it's, it's just it's it's difficult, it's a difficult market to negotiate. Do
0: they,
2: need
0: to, do they need a new number nine? I mean, I think, bigger picture, longer term, and I think again, conversations you know, behind, behind closed doors, I would imagine that they have said, Hey, we need a new number nine. I can imagine that they don't think, Haley Wayne. Even though he's performed okay this season, I don't think that they think of him as a long-term solution there. So do they need a number nine? Probably, but can they sign one anytime soon? Probably not because you have these big DP contracts on your books, and it's going to take time to let them expire or for you to figure out a way to get out of them. So don't expect them to make a, a, a significant number nine signing anytime soon. Two more questions, Steve. Next one comes from Luis C. What is the status of Miami Freedom Park? Been quite, been quiet for a while now, besides the new renderings. So, Steve, I know yeah. that you—I know this is a topic you are—you uh, are into. So, um,
1: go ahead. I think we touched. We spoke about this last week as well, didn't we? Um, yeah, it all just depends on navigating the, the, the p- political system in in Miami. I, I don't think anything is is, is forthcoming. The pandemic has, has slowed everything up, and also, you know, I don't think people are wanting to throw money at a at a new venture. You know, and uh, you know this this business park and hotel complex everything like that everything is so uncertain i just think it's it's put on the back burner and, and like we said anyway i just i just think they're better off where they are right now i think the stadium's great the training center is is great um, so let's just let's see where we are sort of um in, in a few months but it's, it's slow i think if you're waiting to see someone in a miami hat into miami hat digging a, a hole in the middle of mel Rees to get it going i think they're a million miles away from that right now
0: I think they are far off. I don't know if about a million miles. If that's a lot of miles, but I think yeah, I think that they're far off. I don't think that they're they're as close. It's not as, happening
2: anytime soon. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't
0: think they're as close as Jorge Mas made it seem when we spoke to him prior to the start mm-hmm. of the season, when he again gave us the update of you know forty-five to sixty days or or four to six weeks. I don't think that they're they're that close uh, actually. So the last question, Steve, comes from Broski Ciderworks, and it says, "Cheers from Broski. Does Tio? <laughs> he called you Tio, not Primo. <laughs> Tio means uncle, and it's like a a word that's used to be like you know when you're when you're talking to like an older person. Um, So that's why it's funny. (laughs) Does Tio Tio like cider? We got him covered. Thoughts on playing Figal on right back permanently? Very disappointed on the play of the defensive.
1: I do like a cider, yeah. A bit of angry orchard, or uh, maybe some old school strongbow uh, from back in the day. Although I I do like an IPA now and then. So um, yeah, yeah. With wash it down with my empanada. Um, <laughs> hallucinogenic yeah. empanada yeah 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 that's it you're gonna
0: be all messed up after after that one
1: um yeah, i'm gonna be seeing empanadas yeah <laughs> um
0: i i mean they didn't ask me the question but I, I i can go for a cider i actually did have an ipa last week when uh coincidentally a friend from chicago came from out of town and we all went we got together and went to dinner had peruvian but then afterwards we went to a bar and i had a, a nice ipa which i have not had in a, in a long time So. Uh, As for playing Figal on right-back permanently, I think, yeah, long-term, once González Pérez is back from suspension, if Ryan Shawcross is still healthy and performing well, I think Figal would probably be your starting right-back. I think Phil Neville really rates him, has raved about him on more than one occasion this season, and really raved about him. So I think that that will probably be the look once everyone's available and healthy. And I'll just say this, the defensive line hasn't been overwhelmingly good as of late, but when the team can't build out and when you can't keep possession, you're bound to have breakdowns defensively. You need to keep the ball. So yes, there have been issues at the back, but at some point they're going to, the defense will bend and break if if you just don't get anything out of your your midfield and, and almost at next, next to nothing in the attack. Um, that does it for the Q&A session. It was a lengthy one. Steve, let's get our final thoughts, which mine will be the breaking news that I've been teasing on this whole time. But, Steve,
1: you can go ahead and start from there first. Yeah, look, Saturday was, was disappointment. It was a rubbish goal to concede. I just think they're making progress. It's It's slow. I think there's going to be disappointments along the way. They just need to try and find a way to – to get these these good players playing and cohesively, and let's hope you know that that will be on on Saturday in front of a in front of a full house. And that's that's if anything to take away. Thank 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 the Lord that you know we can have a full stadium once again.
0: Yeah, that's going to be something that we've been waiting to see for quite some time, for more than a year. So that's going to be fun. Uh, at least at least we can we'll know that there will probably be a very good environment at Drive Pink Stadium on Saturday night. My final thought is the breaking news that I have. And I'm reporting this here. This is the first time it's being reported. I'll have a piece on it for SBI Soccer to accompany this. But this is something I'm sure Inter-Miami fans have been waiting to hear. There is a pink game jersey coming. It is finally going to happen, guys. And it will happen not this season, but it will happen in 2022. Next season, Inter-Miami will rock a pink game jersey. I don't know what it looks like. But I have been told by sources that it's on the way, it's in the plans, and it's coming in 2022. So I know a lot of you have been clamoring for that, and I've asked David Beckham in each of the last two years about that. This year, he kind of changed his tune from last year and said, you know, we're listening to the fans and, and we have a lot of pink with our ideas. Those ideas include, I'm reporting it again, reiterating that, it will happen in 2022. But That does it for this week's pod. We talked about a lot of things, a lot of interesting things. We'll see what happens with Matuidi-Gate if that finally comes to a conclusion and how that impacts Inter-Miami. We also will see how the team move forward after this disappointing and frustrating defeat to the Chicago Fire. But for Steve Brenner, I am Franco Panizo. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you guys again next week.